Uh, it really started when my grandmother was passing away. Uh, I was around 15, and um, I wasn't a believer at that point. Um, she died. She was a believer, and I really struggled with that. Got into a lot of trouble and um, battled with a few addictions and stuff like that. And, um, I remember just a guy from school, one of my teachers, just pulled me aside and said, you know, you're basically on a path. Destruction, would you come to church with me? And I was like, yeah, I've got nothing else to lose, I guess. And I did, and that was really um, a turning point in my life where uh, I started reading the Bible for the first time. I had guys pouring into me a lot. They let me ask a lot of really difficult and hard questions. Uh, I, would, I didn't make it easy on anybody. Uh, but through patience and love and, and gentleness, they, they allowed me to, you know, be in their space with them and, and ask questions. Uh, and that was the first turn towards faith when I started feeling uh, a draw from God to, you know, to have a relationship with Him. And that developed more and more as I graduated high school, joined the military, and I started thinking about death a lot more and started going to a church and then really i think the, the big turning point was when i met my wife and she started inviting me to go to church with her and um and even more i mean just started to confirm in my life that god had a calling on it um and that kind of gets into the calling to ministry territory but uh, it was just a confirmation after confirmation that I was supposed to, to be on this journey and it wasn't a journey that I chose. Uh, it really kind of chose me, but at each turn, I just kept trying to accept and submit to it. And so, yeah, that was, that's the, the long short of the journey to faith. There's a lot more to it, but uh, that's, that's kind of where it started on the trajectory. So. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ministry Misfits. Andrew, I believe if we're doing our math correct, we are on episode five. Does that sound about right? I don't even know. Well, that's okay. We we just had this, I actually had this discussion on the Christian Podcasters Association this morning because it was another podcast that does Tuesdays and they mentioned that there's actually an extra Tuesday every quarter if you release on Tuesdays. Hmm didn't know that i didn't know that either they also then like so what do you do special for those extra tuesdays and i just put like we're lucky if we even remember what day <laughs> we're, we're keeping track of the alone. normal tuesdays yeah, yeah. So, it, it was fun the other week we were trying to come up with some exclusive merch or different products for the patreon site and i think we, we created more so memes we got stuck on the muppets that and the yeah. count from sesame street which was, is he's a muppet the sesame streets are muppets uh, they are. I, I, I don't know because I think the character development is different from. Uh, but G they are Jim. literally Muppets. Well, I will uh, fight you on this one. Come I'll on say now. puppets, not Muppets, is where I. No, see, that's the thing. Muppets are different than puppets, and that's what <laughs> the the Muppets have more mobility than a puppet does. That's what makes them Muppets. <laughs> but we'll, we'll need to bring somebody on for that one next. Uh, we'll <laughs> ask our guests here in a second, which. For those of you that are like, hey, this looks completely different. First of all, the setup isn't completely different. That just means you didn't watch the video last week. So you can go back and see. Although we do have more light this time. 
Yeah. Shout out to my mom for one yeah. of those suggestions. We'll still keep working on it. Yeah. We're hopefully you can actually see Brandon now and you don't have a giant glare off my forehead. Um, but with all that being said, we are doing a little bit of a different, uh, recording software, I guess is really what it is. Yeah. We have a different software. Hopefully this is working well. It allows us to do some more fun stuff with it. This also is what allowed us to do the live stream. Those of you that joined in last Thursday, um, this is the stuff that we're going to be using from now on. So bear with us today because we're learning a new technology. Yeah, probably the first few weeks it'll it'll be a little bit different, but yes. don't worry. The same places where you and get get our podcast will still be yes, there. All of that is the same. Formats are all the same there. The soundboard is coming next next time. So I haven't given up on it. It's just we had to get this up first. But speaking of technology, yep. that is actually what we are talking about today. But you've all heard my spiel on it over and over and over. So we brought in an expert to do this as well. And assuming that I hit the right button, you can now see him. This is Dr. Joshua K. Smith. Um, he is a pastor. He is a uh, doctor, obviously. And he has, he's written two books, he's writing his third, and today he is here to talk about the theology of robots and artificial intelligence and all that plays into it. And this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think it'll be great. So welcome, Josh. Good morning. Oh, thank you, guys. Good morning to you. So we're going to start off, and we, we like to start off by defining our terms. So... Let's start off by actually, what are we talking about when we say the word robot, when we talk artificial intelligence? What, what, what's the difference? What are these things? What is it we're actually talking about today? Um, who knows? You know, it's like one of those things <laughs> where uh, you ask a bunch of roboticists and uh, AI experts, and they're still debating this to this day. Um and so I try to make it as simple as possible because, you know, the terms float around. It's not ironclad or anything like that. So when we think about AI, um, and I stole this from a friend. And when we think about AI, I like to think of it as a type of recipe. You know, it's your uh, on one side of the spectrum, you have just simple inputs and outputs. And that's what it is. It's a program that's you know, making predictions based on what you give it. Then on the other side of the spectrum, it's not only making predictions, but evaluating those predictions. Um, and so that's more of the AI that I talk about. Um, and so that's why it gets convoluted and people get upset when you say just generally AI. Uh, but when you go back to the original coining of the term in the 1950s, it I think what they meant was a machine that thinks like a human. Now we know obviously now that that's the machine is not going to think like a human does. It's very different. Mm -hmm. um, the mathematical models that it uses, we, we don't think in math so much. I mean, some people do, don't get me wrong. Nobody much, on this <laughs> side of the camera thinks in math. <laughs> um, but I mean, quite literally we, how our brain works, it's very different. Right. And, and we, we have a very holistic way of thinking and, uh, or sometimes just very sporadic and random way of thinking. 
Um, but the the models that we use in AI and, and different things, like it's for most people, it's just math. Okay. And I, and I think that's, that's fair. Um, but one of the ways that I like to describe it is, is just like that, you know, it is basically inputs and outputs, models, math, recipes, you know, if you want to bake a cake, you need these sets of ingredients. If you do it right, you're going to get these outputs. And that's what simple AI is. Now so it gets, AI even... seem like the definition of it is more of a moving target, as you talked about, mm -hmm. maybe from the 1950s. And as we continue on that, it's got a core base of like the input output, but uh, the definition is fluid. Right. And because so are the models and so are the programs, right? When we say AI, we don't just, we're not just talking about one set of, of models and programs. There's so many. And, you know, it, machine learning in general is, is very uh, complex for people who are not, who don't know what the math is. Um, and so it's, and I'm not saying that I even understand everything about the math and uh, all that stuff or machine learning or AI, but, um, and, and that's not really my goal. It's more or less to bring in Christians, uh, communities and, and others who are outside of these circles into the circle and say, these are some questions we need to be asking as well. Um, and yeah, so it's quite frustrating when you try to ask somebody, you know, what do you mean when you say AI and, <clears throat> I think likewise with robot, it's the same way. Um, so I ask my son this sometimes. I ask, you know, what is a robot? And he'll say, it's it's a machine. Well, what is a machine? It's a robot. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> in some ways, that that's that's how it really is. Um, so technically, we know the robot is, you know, actuators, sensors, those type of things. The, one, the embodied presence of these models that um, take in data and then evaluate and make decisions. Okay, yes, technically that is what it is. Um, but we we have a tendency to try to reduce everything down to its uh, basic atomized self. And like when we ask, what is a human? Okay, it's also, or what is life? It's, it's equally hard to define it. You know, well, yeah. life is a process between birth and death. Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, technically, but that's like... <laughs> That's like an AI gave an answer, right? You know, that's technically what it is. Yes. But explain that. And it doesn't, I don't, I don't have any great definition that explains AI or, or robots um, so completely. If we, if we yeah, want to kind of simplify the difference to start mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Roomba would be yes. robot. Uh-huh. Not AI. Non, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say it's gonna be that fine line. Yeah, again. I know it's a fine line, but in terms of what we're talking about, because there, you know, there's robots that can do artificial intelligence, and you can program to them to do a lot of thinking. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking artificial intelligence, we're also more talking about you know, almost the you know the the non-playable characters video game type thing yeah. where. Mm -hmm. They are programmed to do certain things, but they're also able to do things on their own if they really wanted to. Sure. Yeah. So with all of that, you know, like you said, your goal is not to actually define these things. Your goal is to start making people actually think about these things. We know all too well, because you and I have kind of led some debates almost already on Twitter about some of this stuff. The church in general and technology don't 
seem to get along post nineteen twenty. Why? Why? Why is this such a big deal for the church, both technology wise in general, but also why is it that the church actually needs to understand what this stuff is that's coming out right now? Yeah, it's all religious. And um, all of these things that we've created are religious objects or religious entities that we want to make. And they are driven by a theology. Now it may not be a Christian theology. And I would argue that a lot of times it's, uh, it's not, but, um, when I, when I talk about, you know, the definitions discussion, if we ask those same people, especially computer scientists, what is a human? They actually fall rather closely to, uh, what a lot of Christian complementarian thinkers would say. So I thought that's fascinating. And I began to ask why, why, why are we so close on one thing and then so far away on other things? And I think sometimes it's because we, we miss the, to use a big word, like the metal metaphysical underpings of all this conversation and where it comes from. And even before 1920, if you go back to the middle ages, there was a intertwining of technology and theology that, I mean, it, it was, it drove a lot of science. It drove a lot of um, architecture and um, a lot of crazy stuff that comes out of, I, I think a religious devotion to the Christian God, but also this, struggle with wanting to usher in a new millennium. And so, you know, if you look at the language of Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos and others, it's very religious. Now they may not say that they're a religious person. They believe in Jesus, all that stuff. But um, a lot of them are probably more religious than we are because, I mean, just think about what Musk has sacrificed to, achieve his vision, you know, billions of dollars and, you know, lots of sleepless nights and lots of sacrifice to do that. You know, like, I don't know that I've sacrificed that much for, you know, my calling to ministry or, you know, maybe, maybe I have, but I mean, that's, that's a huge cost. And then for yeah. people to, you know, and then do that publicly. Uh, and, and, and Musk is just one example. There's, there's many others. Christopher Columbus was one of those people like, thought he was the Messiah in some ways, you know, going to usher in this new millennium, just like crazy stuff. Right. Um, and technology becomes the, the implement of how we achieve that vision. And so it's not only an important discussion to have as Christians and theologians or whatever, but I mean like this, I don't know that there is another conversation we should be having right now because now we have the implements at our disposal as well. I mean, just to imagine some of these medieval thinkers, if they would have had, you know, microchips, uh, microprocessors and all these things and like the great harm that could have come from some of those visions um, or, you know, this is all pre like women's rights. This is pre, um, you know, rights for people of color. I mean, all this stuff. You think about that one vision, one group uh, of you know visionaries, when they have all the money and the power, and then you add 
implements technology to that, oh, it's it's uh, it's very dangerous. Hmm. Um, and we could just argue that with the Bible, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> which is what we like to do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know you mentioned in your book a little bit of a lot of Christians, or I shouldn't say a lot, some of the <clears> conversations <throat> you have with Christians are saying, this isn't something that we need to talk about right now because we're not there right. yet. Um, <clears throat> how, how do you address that that pushback? Yeah. We're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes back to the question of why we always start with definitions, right? So mm-hmm. um, I, I like to go around that question. But uh, the reason people ask that question is because they say, well, we don't have to worry about that yet because that's not where we are, okay? Um, and okay, but the, the point is we don't know when we'll be there. And it's like saying, okay, we know 200 years from now, let's just go back 200 years and say, okay, 200 years from now, we might possibly be in, in, you know, environmental crisis, or uh, we might be approaching some massive pandemic to say, okay, well, we're not there yet. So we shouldn't think about it. Like, that's just, that's just poor logic, right? You you don't, you don't do that. If you know, if you have foresight enough to know something might be coming, that's worth discussing. To say like, eh, I don't know, that's almost like malpractice in a way. He's like, ah, well, we'll worry about that later. Well, it's kind of buried your head in the sand. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. too that you you bring the way you brought that up because um, I saw recently that there was a. I'm not. I was never into um, World of Warcraft. That was not my <laughs> online game. But were you a RuneScape guy? Uh. <laughs> when I actually, once we actually had internet for me to be able to do games and stuff, I, I've always been much more of a civ, okay. you know, civilization, you know, Sid Meier's all that. But um, yeah, see, jo- he knows, he knows what's up. Um, so, but there was, I guess, um, a an actual plague that struck World of Warcraft back in like 2008. I think hmm. is when it was something like that, where it was it was literally an artificial intelligence glitch that caused there to be a plague that went through that was spread through human or through artificial human contact. And so Blizzard actually put out quarantine measures saying <laughs> you need to stay indoors and avoid contact with people or your person is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and every there was actually groups of people that got together and that were saying, you know what, this is all a big conspiracy to prevent us from seeing what this new update is. <laughs> and so they would get together <clears throat> and sure enough, the plague kept on spreading and dying to the point where Blizzard finally just had to shut the server off and reset it because everybody was not following quarantine procedures. <laughs> and they yep. looked at this and epidemiologists were like this is literally what is going to happen if we have another if we actually have a plague hit the earth because people this is a very good study artificial intelligence mixed with human motion just showed us exactly what is going to happen yeah and everybody discounted them until 2020 hit and we saw the exact thing that happened with artificial intelligence in bliss in world of warcraft happen because everybody like you said the question of well we're not there yet so why does it matter meant that nobody was planning for it and the people mm-hmm. that were planning for it were ignored yeah you know this it's 
really it's the same thing with the the movie Encanto with the whole mm-hmm. thing of Bruno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Good he point. saw it coming, tried to warn everybody, and was ignored. And so we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Smith here after we have a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. We're back. Alright everybody, welcome back. We are talking robots we are talking artificial intelligence mm-hmm. we let the doctor talk math because we already so we are showed, bad at yeah. that yeah um <laughs> but we are now going to start moving through a little bit we we kind of discussed the basic definition and distinction between robot and ai as far as what we're talking about here you know we the what we kind of landed on was robot think roomba artificial intelligence think non non-playable characters um now, we we we've talked a little bit also about the history of all of this. That it's it's there. We talked about where some of the fears are coming from, where the lack of fear, where it should be, is coming from. Why we're even having this discussion is all because of that. People aren't talking about it. So now, Doctor Smith, those of us that have seen iRobot know <laughs> that there are supposedly law, you know, the four laws of robotics and that the robots can't break it and artificial intelligence can't break it. But when they do, they're <clears> going to destroy us all. <laughs> what actually, cause th- this is an important piece to all of this is there is actually, especially for us as believers, there are ethics involved in just about everything. Mm-hmm. And so when we start talking robots and artificial intelligence and technology, especially as it relates to believers, get into a little bit about the ethics behind all of this, because it, it's more comp it's more complicated than iRobot <laughs> makes it look, but it's less complicated than a lot of the fear mongering pastors are going to make it sound. Yeah. Well, uh, we always start with sci-fi, I guess. Uh, the conversation always circles back there because for most of us, unless you have experience, you know, like I program robots in high school and um, we've built things and 
unless you've had experience with them, it, I guess that would probably be the best thing for a lot of people. Just go, uh, go work with a robot and then you'll be less afraid. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> you know, sci-fi Skynet, whatever. That's, that's not what I'm worried about. And that's not what scares me the most. And, and like you're saying about ethics, I think that's, more terrifying to me is the human side of artificial intelligence and robotics because everything that goes into that technology is undergirded by a philosophy, a, a theology even. And, and so if that person doesn't believe that human life matters or that uh, only certain human life matters or you know, there's a lot of assumptions built into the technology we make. And I believe every technology has uh, a desired end, right? And so uh, a weapon system is not meant to be a humanitarian system, right? And so, um, and it's intentionally designed that way. And so there, there's some things I think we need to have conversations about in ethics. And the first one is to actually have a conversation because many times computer scientists and others, it's not their fault. But um, even engineers, right? They there's not much room in the pedigree for those types of discussions. And you can sit with PhDs and who have you know engineering PhDs, who have computer science PhDs, and ask them how many courses they took on ethics, or if they even took one. You know, and so um, and it's not their fault. Like I'm not saying that they're not that they haven't read anything on ethics or anything like that, but this is like all I all I do. It's eat and breathe, you know, moral philosophy and theology and um, you know, analytical and continental philosophy. And so that's a big part of theology. <clears throat> and so uh, I think we go you know, we, we kind of got into that with, with Dr. Barr a little bit, just talking about pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. As you know, you talk to a lot of pastors about how many history classes they've taken. There's, there's not many that have taken extensive history courses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's more of a specialty than you know, a overall. You know, right. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and we see the same results there. You know, it's a little bit of a difference between, you know, a history course for a pastor and an ethics course for a roboticist. But the end result ends up being the same thing. And we, we can, we're going to start throwing out some of our terminology here with what you're saying, because you're, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing you say really is that, you know, these are deep philosophical questions. Mm -hmm. but these deep philosophical questions are rooted in theology. Oh, yeah. And this is how we determine the method we program our robots to do. Sure. What that is, for those that <clears throat> couldn't tell and that have been listening for a while, is what he literally just described was our three tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, for Dr. Smith, the three-tier paradigm is what we use here on our show. It's, it comes out of Dr. Linville's books on sports ministry, but we then, we've now taken and expanded out beyond sports. Of Our Christocentric theological mm -hmm. truths are laid out on the forefront and the basis for everything and the foundation for what we do. Our philosophies are built out of this. They're biblically based if we're believers, but they are built off of our theology that shows us how Christ is at the center of everything. 
Mm-hmm. And then out of those, that thinking is how we can determine the method that we go about doing everything. And, you know, we can start off a couple of the, the theologies that you've already brought up and you can, you can expand on this, you know, going back to the first, right before our break, you, when we were talking about why people aren't having these conversations and the idea of, well, we're not there yet, or we're never going to get there really is built off of a poor eschatology, which we've talked about multiple times on here before, but especially it sounds a lot of the the dispensationalist views of eschatology as far as where technology plays in all of this, as far as when God's going to rapture, all of that sort of stuff. Do you see that as part of why we aren't having these conversations right now in our churches? Yeah, it could be, <clears throat> could be that, you know, um, I think too, like, like I said, it all depends on your philosophical assumptions about life and your worldview. And it's so hard to pinpoint a particular, like one reason. I think it's multiple. Um, and <clears throat> one of the things that I see in the trajectory of the church is dealing with this is we, we like to swing pendulums pretty hard. So in the, in the Middle Ages, it was all utopian, like technology is going to usher in the new Eden. Uh, we're going to, you know, but I, I don't think that if you if you look at the biblical accounts and especially the book of Revelation, things like that, it, it's only getting progressively worse. Um, so some people now and now they take that and say, well, technology is, you know, our phones are killing us or, you know, and. and you know, like I, I get all that, but at the same time, like there are authors, I won't name them. They, you know, they, they bemoan technology, but at the same time, they make a 4k video promoting their new right. book on technology. They use with, it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not like anti-technology per se, but they're like, we should look at the Amish for how we, I'm like, we're a bit hypocritical if, if we go there, um, and so in my book, uh, Robot Theology, and I'll just, that one's fine. It, it's a short work about how we have a complexity to this view in that if we put Jesus in the center of it and ask, you know, the the cheesy um, uh, question of what would Jesus do? Um, I like to ask, you know, what would Jesus augment if I'm talking about bioethics? Um that's we're doing a series on that in our church bracelet. Yeah. 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 Yes, we do. Um, and think about that because I use him as my, my limiting, um, rubric, like, okay, I I know Jesus probably wouldn't make a, um, a sex robot or a, um, you know, autonomous weapon system. I'm pretty sure, like, even though he didn't talk about those (laughs) things, I'm pretty sure that doesn't fall into his ethic of non-retaliation and loving your enemy okay um what about cell phones what about social robots like um you know the ones that treat autism spectrum disorders well i think mm-hmm. okay yeah i think jesus would be for that he's for healing he's for you know there's a lot of statistical analysis about how we could use those robots for good um well okay well but there's still this gradient to it and we can't say yes or no all the time. And let there's like extreme spectrums of like violence that, yeah, I think there's some, we could just say no to. Um, but the most of the technology that we're talking about 
uh, in the local church is is not those forms, right? We're not talking about treating pedophilia with them. We're not talking about all that extreme stuff, although we should be. Um, we're not doing that either. And that is, you know, undergirded by a theology of well. Like, we believe just war is okay. We believe that these systems in just war are okay. Well, let's challenge that. I don't, I don't think Jesus would be okay with drones in warfare. But because it's a human in the loop, oh, well, we're good. No, no, we're not. Like, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Um, and why yeah, would he not be good? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting, though, because I think if we actually were having those kind of conversations and asking those questions, the the conversation would very quickly change from mm. a, what do you think about the ethics of these technologies to a actual, we're going to get very, very deep theological opinions on who people actually see Jesus as. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we refer to as Cold War theology. Um, you know, this is what Kristen Dubay refer, you know, talks about in Jesus and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. You know, the the amount of people just this week even that I, I saw conversations about whether or not Jesus is calling for people to take up arms and fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, the their the view that they have of Jesus, the feel their 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 level one theological truths about who Jesus is completely affects everything else that they they think about and what they do. And so when we start asking, well, do you think Jesus would be okay with you know, even even mm. not even going into the drones, which is, you know, still kind of up in the air ethically, you mm. know, militarily speaking and world mil- mil- militaristically. That was good. I, I got it out that time. OK, yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking. Just even looking at what's going on in Ukraine right now about the mm. use of some of the bomb technology that Russia has dropped on civilians. Would Jesus be okay with that? Hmm. Is the question even in a just war theology? And depending on whether or not you view Jesus as the one that says, go out and buy a sword, or Jesus saying, Peter, put your sword away, what are you doing? Completely changes the conversation as far as whether or not developing drones is even an issue or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another one that you bring up in your book that we, we want to spend a little bit of time on before we take another break here is you go into a deep death, depth, not death, depth, <laughs> deep depth on the connection between ethics and theology of artificial intelligence and our understanding of the Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. Start walking us through that a little bit because I think this is really where a lot of at least some of the pastors I know that are very fearful of artificial intelligence, even yeah. Siri on their phone <laughs> is this really is where it, the, you know, rubber meets the road mm-hmm. where, what, how do we deal with the idea of Imago Dei and artificial intelligence? Yeah, I think it, you know, we want to be unique and distinct and we don't want to make room in our theology for any other being 
for this for equal or even similar moral consideration because then that then that impacts not only our status before God, which I don't think that it does, but a lot of people view it that way, but it also impacts how we live ethically in this world. Because if we consider a chicken, you know, as made in the image of God, then we can't eat it anymore. So just being very practical, I mean, like, you know, that takes Chick-fil-A off the menu, right? Um, that That's, that that's in- heresy right yeah. there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, it, you see very quickly um, in someone's theology, you know, I was, well, okay. And I like to reverse engineer some things there um, in my own reading of the Imago Dei is, I think it has more to do with what we understand about idols and, and imaging and the similar words that are used, um, that these reflections, they revere, they either worship God and, you know, are they undo that image and they reverse it. And so I think similarly, that's how we are to understand the image. Now, I know there's, there's a big massive theological uh, library that you could unpack with that. And there's lots of debates, but uh, I think Jesus and, and God, they, they leave it ambiguous for a reason, because like you said, like we started, we always start this conversation with, we want to delimit, define. Um, and I think Jesus gives us room to open up and, and broaden categories. You know, and I even think about this in race, issues of race science all the time you know what is a white person what is a black person what are you know biologically what makes where do we you know draw the lines and um we have very hard lines in our mind we do but theologically you you can't draw them you know and um and so i think that's why my my view of the imago day is is a broadening of the circle of um more consideration and that's where my view leads to. I don't think it's it's properties based. So that's, you know, this idea that, well, maybe it's in intelligence or maybe it's in language. Um, because when you, the more and more research that we get, especially from the scientific community, is that we're really not that distinct as an animal, so to speak, right? And I, I know we're more than that. Okay. I, I get that for anybody throws stuff at me, but, you know, it's, it's also more complicated because we are in this relationship with the world, right? We, we are sustained by it. We are sustained by animals. And I don't, I don't think that's the intentional design. If you go back to the garden, I don't think that's, I think we're supposed to exist in harmony. And now we are in rebellion against nature. Um, And it's not that nature is in rebellion against God. No, no, no. It's, it's humans are in rebellion against nature and then also in rebellion against God through nature. And so um, that's kind of how I've started to read it. And that reading allows me to think about the earth and its creatures differently. Um, I am a creator, yes, but I'm not a, a dominator. I'm not a conqueror of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm a gardener. Like I still, I still believe that that is my original design is to garden um, and not conquer as a king or, you know, queen or whoever, but 
to, to be a maintainer. And, and that is a test of my faith before God and, and my dependence upon his creation. And so I think a lot of people read Genesis 1, 26 to 27, as we are the pinnacle of creation. We are um, the masters of creation. And that's just not true. You know, put, put them in a desert for a week. You're not going to master it. You're not going <laughs> to subdue the desert. Like, I mean, it's going to destroy you. Um, and so <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of submission that we struggle with in just that one chapter. And I think a lot of theology that's been very harmful, especially to women and children over the years. Um, and so, uh, and, and that's why I, I bridge it to robots and artificial intelligence and potentially even, you know, non-biological humans or artificial children, these entities that are, are very much going to be on the horizon where it's it shares my DNA, but it's also manufactured in a sense. Um, and it's not that we can't do it. It's just how much is legally acceptable right now. And so, you know, if a child is created in a lab, is it less than a human? Um, you know, like, is it, is it morally, ethically less than than a human? Um, well, I would say no. I think we, it, you know, it needs to be treated with equal dignity and respect um, and, and worthy of life, you know. And so likewise with, with animals and things like that. And this is what it, it really challenges people um, when you think about pain, suffering, um, mm. our connection to all these things is... Um, and I'm, I'm on a journey too. Like I'm, I'm on a journey thinking about these things and, um, you know, there's three or four chicken plants here where I live. Um, it takes more wheat, soy, um, to feed one chicken than the chickens actually feed humans. Right. It's like, it's like a nine to one ratio. Like it, economically, it's just, it just do doesn't make sense and it's not sustainable, but because we love chicken sandwiches, because, you know, like we, we justify these things in our mind and we think that's crazy, you know, but it, it doesn't stop with a chicken sandwich. Right. And we've, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff in the past and justified all kinds of, and who's to say what we will justify in the future. Um, right. And it, like you're saying, it all starts with this question of who is God? How do I relate to him? And how do I relate to his creation? And it, it gets messy real quick. <laughs> yeah, as you say, it definitely gets messy because even as we talk through this and I've been thinking about it more, one, I break down initially the robots is, as you said, some of it for good where it's helping us clean our house or mow the lawn or simply in a manufacturing sense, helping complete a job that's mundane. Um, and then I think there's also the technology implements where it's involved medically, mm -hmm. where it's okay, we're reproducing an organ or a human body part and where where does that even fall into or as you've talked about creation of a human like where does that all fall in god's image and where do we um draw that line of us being the creator versus god being our ultimate creator and then even looking ahead of where we're kind of going into with this metaverse where i mm. see a lot of people separating themselves of almost numbing themselves out of this world to, okay, I don't want to right. deal with this hurt and pain. So let me put my life <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. full representation into 
somebody else that I don't want to pick up that Imago day. I don't care that God created me and who I was represented to be. I want to be represented well, it differently. Even, it may not else. even be that because, you know, again, this is where, when we start looking at our theology, we start looking at everything, you know, when we, those that want to close themselves off from the suffering of this world, whether it's perceived suffering or actual experienced suffering, them wanting to go to a place where they have more perceived control may not be a denial of who God made them. Mm-hmm. It would be much more of a denial of the supremacy that God is still in control, even in the chaos. Hmm. And we, we don't want to make a judgment of somebody that wants to spend more time online than in person yeah. mm-hmm. that they have a, you know, that they've completely, because th- this is the argument from, from a lot of people, you know, on, all the different identity, you know, identity theology stuff. This is the argument from people talking technology as far as it's not, it's much bigger than just, Oh, they have an identity crisis or they're depressed or something like that, but they want to make it a, they are in sin because they have denied who God has made them to be, you know, they're denying the holy discontent. When in reality, it may just be that they're searching for a feeling of control Mm. while everything else is circling out of control, which is much more of a, we still have an idolatry issue, but it's not an idolatry of, you know, wanting to put yourself above God. It's a matter of an idolatry issue of not recognizing what God is doing and thinking that you're going to be able to do it better yourself. But I do think a lot of people, especially in, we'll say 2K, for example, you build 2K. your app. Yeah, you build your <laughs> avatar. And so you pick a different race or, okay, I wish I had different abilities. I right. wish I was taller. I wish I could dunk mm-hmm. like my character. So I do think there is still. You the, mean you can't dunk? No, I can't. No. Okay. But I do think there is that wanting or disappointment in our human abilities or mm-hmm. inabilities to do something. So. I'll create a character or multiple right. characters to, again, give me that sense of power that I am accomplishing because I can't do it or don't want to try to do it in the physical sense. Right. And and that is a little bit different than what we're seeing with the metaverse. Yeah. The metaverse is much more about just putting yourself out of reality. Video I don't, games. I don't, I don't know. I think I would push back against the reality aspect of it because... I think what we're finding is that maybe the desire to extend our finiteness or uh, maybe circumvent it, but doesn't make it less real as far as its psychological impact right. on your mind. And so I think <clears throat> I think we need to have that caveat with people in this discussion is that it is a real environment for them. Is it real as, as like, you know, if you, I mean, if you sexually assault somebody in there, right. you could still, you know, be legally charged. And I think what we'll see is a blurring of, of lines here between these different realities, so to speak. But 
I don't think it makes it less real for people as far as their perceived experience. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, I don't, I don't want to, there's, there's always this gradient that we, we have to uh, explore that we don't like. We like binaries, black or white, yes or no. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't, I don't think that's, that's not what I get when I, you know, see Jesus in dialogue with people and, it's never what you want to hear, but it's, it's what the truth is. And I think for a lot of people, um, I mean, just look at the world that we experience and, you know, we're, I say we're hypocrites all the time because, you know, it's like, okay, well I'll go sit and watch Netflix or watch Disney plus or whatever. And, or, or watch, you know, sports or whatever, you know, or hunt, whatever, whatever your leisure is or hobby. Okay. And so what we do is we say, okay, this one's acceptable and this one's not. And, but really they're all the same. You're trying to either, um, right. you know, relieve stress or, you know, connect with people who are like you. I mean, I mean, don't, don't let it be lost on people. How ironic it is for people to make podcasts and then, you know, bemoan like, Hey, like this isn't real. Like, well, we're not physically in the right. same room together. <laughs> so, I mean, right. Uh, it's it's ironic, right? Um, so I think a lot of what is happening is now there are spaces for people who felt marginalized. Yes. Um, who, I mean, think about people who weren't able to get out and be a part of things. And we were coming off two years of that. So I think we need to give people some grace that it's not just because they want to escape reality. It's not just because they're a weirdo or whatever, like... This this is a real chance for people to connect when they may be afraid, they may be unable, they may have autoimmune deficiencies. And so, mm -hmm. um, and I talk to people and try to, you know, there are some people who absolutely want to escape. You know, I want to escape. I feel that pressure too. But, you know, not everything that I do is about escapism. And not all technology is about that. Some of it is. Right. Um, but that's for the individual to answer, not for me, like you guys are saying, not for me to make that judgment on them. And I just want listeners to understand that because um, even even with dealing with widows and stuff as a pastor, they all feel this alienation that I want to be somewhere I can't be, um, either due to pain or um, autoimmune problems or just they can't drive. And how isolating that is for a human. And so I know most of them are not going to go, you know, on the metaverse or even on social media. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's a substitute for embodied contact and touch and love and all those things. But goodness, like it, it is something. Okay. And, and I think something is better than nothing sometimes. Um, and, you know, I want to, I want to do research and, and, and make things that might be a ethical, you know, not substitute, but supplement for people in those capacities. Will it be abuse? Yes. All things are abused or human, but you know, I think the grace and love of Jesus would, would compel us to say, okay, um, if it's ethically permissible and possible, you know, can we use this for a kingdom good? Um, sometimes no, we can, but I think sometimes yes, we can. And that's what we're going to get into here as we close out after this break is much more of the 
ministry applications for all of this stuff that we're talking about. So we're going to take one more quick break and then we'll be back with Dr. Smith to uh, talk about how we can actually use this stuff. We'll be right back. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. All right, welcome back, everyone. We are still here with Dr. Joshua K. Smith talking robots and theology, or even just to break it down further, robotic theology. And where we kind of just talked about before the before the before the break, just the history and defining both robotics and AI or artificial intelligence. And then right before this, we were just talking about specifically with theology in general. And really and breaking ethics. and ethics, thank yes. you, and really breaking down the Imago Day being made in God's image. So now, as as we kind of come to a close here, we're going to talk a little bit more about the eschatology uh, and just the ecclesiology. Excuse me, es- thank you. Yeah, we already talked eschatology. Read that one too. Too we're quickly. Gonna, yeah, we we want to we want to kind of break down how this actually applies for the local church. Because we've talked a lot about just some personal wrestlings that you have to do with this stuff, whether it's whether it is ecclesiology, whether it is eschatology, whether it's just general ethics, whether it's even even you know we even got into really this brings up a much bigger issue of how do you even understand who God is with mm. you know, with just general theology. But now we want to get into the ecclesiology of all of this and, and what this means. And and really, this is a much more, I, I, I doubt you can, I'm sure you've had this, but I'd be surprised if there are many pastors left that are going to claim that this is not a relevant ecclesiological issue mm. since 2020. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, if, yeah, if it's it sped up everything, right. You know, mm-hmm. I've been I've been preaching this for years. You've been doing this for years, but for the most part, people didn't take notice until they were required to. Yeah, so till live stream. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's let's start talking through some. What are the ecclesiological implications of? 
I can't say robot theology because all I can think of is the robot church from Futurama when we say that. So we're going to keep on going with the theology of robots so that I don't. Yeah, I got you. What What is the actual ecclesiological implications for all of this? How does this apply? Yeah, well, um, you know, there are several authors who I think their biggest concern, especially post or whatever we are in the pandemic, we're not post it, but. Uh, there's a lot of concerns about embodiment and and so you know so one of the things I tried to do in my book I don't know if I did it well it's just it was just a an introduction to it but to really kind of challenge and start to define what we mean by embodiment which I think most people just mean you're physically in the space okay um but then push back about you know well there's really no room if that's the most important critical aspect of our ecclesiology, now I can't say it, um, is that, well, what about disembodiment? Are they less than? And so I started to think about marginalized communities and people and, um, and really we don't make space for them. And I, I see some of this, some of this technology might be a ministry of grace to them. Um, not so much so that we like substitute, um, you know, out caring for them or anything like that, but it's something. And I think pastorally, you, I feel this a lot and, and especially caring for widows, people who are hospitalized during COVID people who died where I couldn't, I had a, a very close deacon slash neighbor who died during the height of COVID. I was not allowed to see him. I was not allowed to pray with him. Uh, you know, I was in the vicinity, you know, during his death and all that. But to me, that's like, I felt, I felt like I, I robbed a lot of my people of my calling and why they called me here to pastor them unto death. And, you know, and it was like, nobody cared. I don't, I still don't think people care um, because we only care about what's present, you know, and some of that has to do with attention. Uh, John Mark Comer's book has, you know, his books deal with this a lot about attention and about hurry. And, um, and I think sometimes we might, especially in 2022, we're trying to get people to come back to physical church, but I don't think that's the solution in the future of ecclesiology. And I'm not right. saying full full sell online church or anything like that, but I think we we've had this massive shift in our thinking about embodiment, and I think a full swing back to let's just go back to 2019, our ecclesiology, ecclesiology there. That's just not going to happen, um, and I think that actually might be, you know, a grace from God because of how we've how we viewed people in wheelchairs how we view people with autism spectrum disorder um you know how we've just you know orchestrated the whole worship experience let's just be honest it's it's a very ableist thing mm -hmm. and it's like can someone in a wheelchair go stand on your can they go to your stage platform without help most churches probably not, you know, mm -hmm. and my church included. Can they even get into your church? Um, 
and so it's like we we want to be a church for all people and bring people into the, the kingdom of jesus and all these things but then there's this massive spectrum of people who are like you know to hell with you because we're not doing anything for you um and so guys what i what i started to wrestle with in that chapter about ai and pastoral ministry and robots is how can we use these things these objects potentially persons as they come into these spaces with us, not as slaves, not as a substitute for human um, embodiment, but as a supplement and a help and, um, and kind of redeem some of this technology that initially it's all focused on um, warfare applications because that's, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Um, how can we redeem it and make it into gardening tools again, which is mm-hmm. kind of that Isaiah uh, prophecy about, um, you know, plowshares and pruning hooks is, you know, how, how do we as a church take this stuff and refocus it for, for God's kingdom? Um, you know, something, something you have been talking through this whole thing. I think we need to, honestly, it's probably a good place to kind of close out is, you know, the the whole COVID era argument about live stream church. Mm. You have one end that's saying this is not church. You can't have church unless you are in the building. Theologically, mm-hmm. we can disprove that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have some that are arguing it was good for a time, you know, every mm-hmm. kind of an Ecclesiastes approach of, you know, there's a time and a place for all of this. And the time was during the pandemic, but now we're allowed to meet again. So we throw out all of our technology again and go back to the way <laughs> things were before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. I think theologically you, you know, we've already shown both in this episode and other ones we've done, how that's not theologically backed up either. Mm-hmm. I think really what we can see here from the stories you just shared is you are somebody that like me is very much on the churches need to embrace technology and use it as a tool, a redemptive tool, like you just talked about. But at the same time, we, you can hear the hurt in your voice from the fact that you were not able to be there in person for your members. Hmm. And that I think is what we need to maybe close out and highlight is that you don't even, you do not have to be on one end or the other in this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we can say, you know, that we want to be live streaming our services for those that do not want to enter the building, whether it's for an autoimmune disease, whether it's because our buildings are not ADA appropriate, which that's a whole nother conversation we're going to have eventually. I'm, I'm waiting to hear from a couple people. Um, You know, whether it's, you know, I had somebody in when we were in Cleveland who he could not come to our building because he was on the sex offender registry and our building literally shared the fence with the local elementary school. Yeah. He, yeah. he fully admitted his sin. Mm-hmm. He fully had repented of it. 
and he wanted to be a part of a church again. And we were the only ones offering live streaming services. Mm. And so he's like, you, you are. And so, I mean, he, he listed me as his pastor for his parole officer, which was a little weird when he, the parole officer called me before he had told he had done this, but you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's possible to have an embodiment ministry and still be on the side of redeeming technology for the use within the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And so we're, we're running out of time here for this one. Dr. Smith, for people that want to go further in this with you, you have your own show. Um, tell everybody a little bit about where they can hear more from you on all of this stuff. Yeah, you can follow my um, Twitter account. I'm pretty active there, as you guys know. Um, you can, all this information is on my website, uh, joshuacasmith.org. Um, the books that I'm working on, projects that I'm working on, the podcast is there where I just speak with other experts about their perspective of robots and AI. And I'm trying to broaden it out even more to start talking about tech and religion um, as it's become more and more prevalent to a lot of authors that these conversations are deeply religious. And so I think we are at a, a great time. And just to end on a positive note, there's a lot of hope on the horizon for for the local church, if she will be faithful to engage, because there are a lot of communities out there that are in good faith, wanting to dialogue about the future of humanity and the future of the planet. Um, And uh, so we, we need to just, just to be at the table and um, share our our concerns. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what my ministry is about as far as my writing ministry. And obviously I'm a pastor in Morton, Mississippi. It's a little town. I pastor a little country church. So if you're ever in town, come by and we'll, um, I'll make you some sweet tea and uh, we'll sit on the front porch and drink coffee. What's the church's name? North Morton Baptist Church, and we uh, North Morton Baptist. All right. Yeah, I I do. We post our our my sermons to Facebook Live. Um, so we have several widows. You know, we have about forty people that watch every week. Um, and so yeah, some of them I know, some of them I don't know. But uh, yeah. we we try to about it's a great way to connect, even as we are here from Ohio mm-hmm. to Mississippi, like we can have this connection and um, mm-hmm. then the listeners then from all over globally actually can, can be a part of this. So yeah. Guten talk to our uh, Germany followers That's that right. have suddenly appeared back up on our feed. Glad you finally <laughs> found us. That's right. So, Dr. Smith, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your heart in all of this and actually having these discussions because you know, for the longest time, it seemed like, at least for me, I felt like I was the only one trying to have these discussions. And so I'm glad somebody much smarter than me is <laughs> writing books and talking about this. So we're coming to a close for this one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you all are at least somewhat okay with the new new streaming yeah. uh, service thing we've got here. Because I honestly think it's working pretty well we'll yeah, see how well, it goes with the soundboard but as always yes the soundboard it- is coming and i am very disappointed that i did not get my cords ready for today but as i always, had plenty of robot noises i could have oh, been using been this whole time oh yeah we want to hear your mm. feedback on how we can improve either the show suggestions on topics we should talk about 
or even just our overall setup in here. Uh, one of the best ways to do that is on Facebook. So there is a new, newer discussion group. Newer at this point, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, fa- the Facebook, the Ministry of Misfits community on Facebook, go join that. It's still public at the moment. And for those that are already members, you are allowed to post on there yourselves. We We have it set where you guys, if you find something that you think is relevant to either discussions we've had or to the group in general, feel free to post. I know some people don't realize on those groups that you're allowed to make your own posts, but as long as you're not trolling, we're good with it. We'll keep it up there. That's right. (laughs) Um, Also, you can contact us um, also on Twitter. I'm there. Brandon is there at Simmons sticks for Brandon at ministry misfit for me. Um, You can find us at ministry misfit pretty much everywhere. Um, best place to go is www.mystrymisfits.com. That is the, the new website that is up and running. And so far we've gotten good feedback from that. Yeah. You did a great job. I did notice, I did notice a couple places I need to go back and edit the mobile because like it has our pictures flipped on the wrong person. So you're now me. So Mm. sorry. Um, (laughs) identity crisis. That's right. Speaking of identity, uh, identities online. You're now me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah also patreon we are on patreon if you want to support the show go to patreon.com backslash ministry misfits we do have all four of our uh tiers up they've got some awesome stuff in there as perks for those that want to donate yep and we are about to start i don't remember depending on when we're releasing this because we all know how my scheduling goes Depending on when we're releasing this, either we are in the middle of the campaign or we are about to start a campaign. We only need, if we can find 20 patrons at mm-hmm. any level. So that even includes 20 at the lowest level. That will, which is $5, which is $5 a month. month. That will have us pretty much fully funded for the minimum amount of stuff that we are wanting to do. Um, 20 at a different level means that it will allow us to start being able to broaden out and do some of the other things that we're looking to do. Um, more live streams, um, getting better quality stuff going for the documentary, which we are about to start filming here in the next month or so. Um, things like that. So if you would like to become a patron, go to patreon.com backslash ministry misfits. You can see all the different levels there and be able to partner with us in that manner. I was going to say, we've also got exclusive merch on some of those yes. levels, but if you would just like to purchase some outside of that, it's also on our website. Yes, the store the, is still up, including the Tikva The Tikva Tea, which will be technically celebrating Tikva tonight at yes. a, an event, which is different than the timing of this, but yes. we will be at a <laughs> event celebrating their ministry that they do for our young people in Canton. That is correct. So Dr. Smith, we thank you for joining us and the rest of you. We will see you all next week. The ministry misfits podcast is a production of ministry misfit media in association with overwhelming victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com 
or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash Ministry Misfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash Ministry Misfits. 